Good morning, my friends. It's good to be with you today, wherever you are. I've entitled today's message, The Right Stuff. Today's message comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. Mark, chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. And while you're turning there, I just want you to know that even though you're not here with us this morning, you are loved, you are missed, and we pray for you whenever we meet. And even if you don't go to our church, you need to know that God loves you. He sacrificed his son on the cross so that no matter what you've done, no matter how offensive you think you are to God, you are not beyond the reach of his loving arms. These messages are for you also. Today I'm sharing with you only a couple of verses from the greatest story ever told. This is the third week and we're still in the first chapter of Mark and only on verses 12 and 13. That may seem uncommonly slow to you, but the word of God is so rich with God's wisdom that scholars have written volumes on just these first few verses alone. One might say that you are getting the Reader's Digest version of the gems of God's Word. Mark is an eyewitness to God's glory in the person of Jesus Christ. He doesn't give us a lot of background information like the other Gospels do. He focuses purely on the actions of Jesus Christ and gets right to the point. In many ways, the other gospel writers fill in the gaps left by Mark's writings. So if you're into action stories like I am, the gospel of Mark is for you. Beginning with verse 12. At once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness and he was in the wilderness 40 days, being tempted or tested by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and the angels attended him. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. I pray that you will prepare the heart of each and every person who hears this message, that they will be enlightened, encouraged, and blessed by the message you have for all of God's people. Amen. Now Jesus has just been baptized in the Jordan River, and Mark says that immediately the Spirit sends him out into the wilderness. The King James Version says that the Spirit immediately drives him into the wilderness. Mark uses the Greek word ekbalo, which literally means to eject, expel, or send forth with great energy. Mark uses the same strong word when it's used to drive out demons. Now, that, that doesn't mean that Jesus didn't have a choice. Jesus was compelled to go into the desert. It was expedient or necessary that he go into the wilderness. He has just experienced that glorious moment when the skies opened up and God's voice from heaven says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And the spirit descended upon him as a dove. I don't know about you, but I would have preferred to hang around the banks of the Jordan for a little while, basking in the glory of that wonderful moment. 
But no, there won't be any of that. The Holy Spirit drives him into the wilderness. Now, many of you, I know I did, question why it was immediately expedient that Jesus go into the wilderness to be tempted. Well, first of all, I think it's important here that you know that the Greek word used here for tempted is the same word used for tested. Jesus was driven into the wilderness to be tempted and tested. Jesus has to be tested to see if he has the right stuff to get the job done. Throughout history, since the fall in the Garden of Eden, man has failed miserably at keeping the laws of God. You see, man was never able to make the connection that if our hearts are continually filled with love for God, we would not sin against him. But you see, that word continually is a big if. Man has had difficulty since the beginning of time keeping his focus continually on his creator. It turns out that sin isn't really what you do, it's who you neglect. Since God created us with a free will, he also gave us the ability to reject him and sin against him. And through the sin of Adam, sin has been passed down from generation to generation. In fact, the heart of man was so evil continually that God destroyed the whole earth with a flood and saved only one righteous man and his family to repopulate the earth. Of course, after the flood, Noah ultimately failed as well. So Adam failed and all of mankind inherited the propensity or the inclination to sin or to be very far removed from God. Noah failed after the flood. Abraham failed by not waiting on God. Moses failed and never got to enter the promised land. King David failed repeatedly. The patriarchs of the faith all failed. But God already had a plan, and it's summed up in John 3, 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. But Jesus had to show that he had the right stuff to get the job done. You see, nobody else could do the job. The second Adam must triumph where the first Adam failed. Now, why is Jesus referred to as the second Adam? Because both men were sons of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 47 says, The first man was of the dust of the earth, the second man is of heaven. The first Adam failed. The second Adam loved us too much to fail. He is in it to win it. But Jesus had to be tested. I remember back to my formative and stupid years in the Navy. I had previously spent three years in the Army as a paratrooper, so after enlisting in the Navy, 
I heard that they were doing pre-qualification testing for the Navy SEAL program at the base gymnasium. I'm sure most people have heard of the Naval Special Forces groups called SEAL teams for sea, air, and land. Well, this pre-qualification test was physical, followed by an interview. The test involved push-ups, sit-ups, running, and of course, swimming. It's been a while, so I don't remember exactly all involved, but it was fairly rigorous. Well, I was elated to find out that I had passed the physical pre-qualification testing to get into the SEAL training. Then I was called in to interview with the SEAL recruiter. He explained that I would have to give up the two years of advanced electronics training that I had enlisted for in exchange for my six-year obligation. And if I washed out of SEAL training, I would get about eight weeks of training in some job specialty and still have to serve the six-year obligation that I had enlisted for, but without the advanced training that had gone along with that obligation. Now, the whole reason I joined the Navy was to have a career in electronics. While the idea of being a Navy SEAL was very appealing to me, I wasn't committed enough to make the sacrifice. And I washed out mentally before I even started. In hindsight, I was glad I did because that electronics training paid off in dividends throughout my career and even in the civilian workforce when I got out. Years later, I realized I had made a smart decision because I realized that I did not have the passion for the types of missions that the SEALs take on, and I probably wouldn't have had the passion to complete Hell Week where you are physically and mentally tested to your limits. Now, any SEAL commander will tell you that the battle is won mostly in the mind. Few wash out because they're physically unable to complete the training. The only thing that will enable you to be victorious when tested to the limits of your endurance is that the passion of your convictions is greater than the trials you face. I would have loved to have had worn the uniform of Navy SEAL, and I would have loved to wear that trident insignia that tells the world that I was one of the few. But I knew that my drive and my commitment was superficial. I did not have the right stuff to get the job done. Jesus was driven into the desert. The Spirit urged him on with great energy. It was expedient that he was tested. Jesus was tested mentally, physically, and spiritually to the greatest limits of man. Many people read the Gospels and they come to the conclusion that Jesus fasted for 40 days and then was given three great temptations by Satan. Jesus was tempted and tested continuously for 40 days over and over again while hungry, tired, and vulnerable. Any prior prisoner of war veteran will tell you that when you are deprived of food and sleep for just a few days, you can be broken. Jesus had to show that he had the right stuff to get the job done. Although he was fully God, he was also fully man. 
if he wasn't victorious as a man in the wilderness being tried and tempted, he wouldn't have made it to the cross. Did Jesus have the right stuff to get the job done? You see, he went into that desert armed with the word of God and the right relationship with the Father that enabled him to take everything that Satan and the world had to throw at him for the next two and a half years. I can almost hear the Father saying to him, you've got this, son. We're going to go through this together. I know this is going to be tough, really tough, but I'll be with you all the way. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Satan is no match for us. I've already prepared a special place for him when all this is over. Those trials and temptations prepared him for the journey to the cross. Have you ever considered the training the astronauts go through when preparing to go into space? They're pretty much on their own when they get up there. They're going into a territory that they have never been before. They will experience sensations that they have never before experienced possibly encounter failures that have never occurred before while being all alone hundreds of thousands of miles from Earth and sometimes without even a communication line to Earth. They are tested in every way conceivable to see if they have the right stuff to get the job done. Hungry, alone, and surrounded by wild animals in the desolate wilderness, day and night for 40 days, Jesus was armed with nothing but the same weapons of spiritual warfare that you and I possess. But he was holiness incarnate. He was the word made flesh. He could have called down legions of angels to surround him and protect him from animals and the tauntings of Satan. But he knew how important it was that he be victorious as fully man. He gave up his superpowers to endure those trials and temptations as a man. It was important that he remain victorious through all the temptations and trials that Satan mustered against him. He would go to the cross as a sinless lamb of God, the only man on earth who never sinned and the only one qualified to satisfy the righteous wrath of God, having been completely obedient and faithful to the will of the Father. Perhaps you're going through some tough times. We all know someone that is experiencing great sorrow right now. We all know someone who is experiencing hardships. Perhaps they don't know how they're going to keep their house, their car, their job, or pay their bills. Today, we're dealing with consequences of sins that were never imagined before. Same-sex marriages, children being encouraged to question their sexual identity, teenagers altering their bodies to identify with a sex that they were not created to be, and even going so far as inventing a gender that heretofore never existed and really does not now. We live in a world that denies reality and creates chaos and confusion. Sadly, there are multitudes that are unknowingly being used by Satan to distort God's created order. Christian families are not immune from the influences of sin-sick fallen world either. 
The author of confusion has had thousands of years to perfect his craft. None of us are capable of winning this war on our own. It's only through the power of God's word, prayer, and fellowship with one another that we can have the right stuff to get the job done. Perhaps you know someone that just needs a hand up instead of a handout. Maybe they just need someone to come alongside of them and say, you got this. Nobody enjoys a trial when they're going through it. But if we just learn to lean on the one who has been there and trust in him, we will come through this trial victoriously and be stronger for it. Jesus has promised to never leave us nor forsake us. When we obediently trust in him, we have the right stuff to get the job done. Father God, I know there are hurting people in our midst. There are hurting people outside the walls of our little church. People that are at various stages in this journey of faith who may feel that they have little or no faith left. Some feel that they have been abandoned by you or they have never felt your presence at all. But God, I pray that you would make each and every heart receptive to the Holy Spirit who draws them to you. May they feel your presence and your overwhelming love for them in whatever trial they're going through. The word says that in this world we will have trials, but take comfort in knowing that you have overcome the world. Strengthen us and increase our faith that we may love you as you have loved us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.